You want to know how to make R.C. Sproul mad? Ask this question. Since God is slow to anger and patient, why, when man first sinned, why was God's punishment so severe and long-lasting? Hmm. What's wrong with you people? Uh Uh-oh, you poke the bear now. God's riches at Christ's expense. This has been something that has just consumed me this past week uh, in a good way. It's the holiness of God and uh, this rabbit hole, not that it's a rabbit hole by any means, but just the awareness of it and the and uh, kind of the week-long study of it was all sparked off by just a short little Q&A. And I know that I've seen it before, but I thought, it just came up. I thought this was a great clip. I went back and I watched this again, and this just has um, just kind of renewed this in my mind, a uh, just a, an awareness, I think, and a, a need for the awareness of the love and study of the holiness of God. And this kind of fits together with what we've been talking a little bit over the last few episodes. So, when R.C. Sproul was asked that question, it stirred something up in him because, man, we don't even understand not just the holiness of God, but the grace and the mercy of God. It went down like this. (laughs) Didn't we just have that question a second ago? We did. It's a little little, little nuance. That God's punishment for Adam was so severe. This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. After that, God had said, the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And instead of dying, Thanatos, that day... He lived another day and was clothed in his nakedness by pure grace and had the consequences of a curse applied for quite some time. But the worst curse would come upon the one who seduced him, whose head would be crushed by the seed of the woman. And the punishment was too severe. What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. My favorite comment in the section on that video below was, the only thing that applause needed at the end was, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Little tip of the hat to Paul Washer there in the comment section. Very well. Let me point you to... Ligonier's YouTube channel. You can see that there, but here's another resource I want to point you to. A very, very valuable resource. Time well spent. Um, Even if you just take them one at a time, maybe in the evening, man, turn off the television. There's nothing on there but news that's going to get you riled up anyways. Turn the TV off and in the evening, watch maybe just one of these episodes 
an evening. If you go to Ligonier's YouTube channel, click on playlists and scroll all the way down to the bottom. I think it's probably maybe the first playlist in there. And it's a six video series on the holiness of God. That will not do you wrong. I guarantee so much good stuff in there. So valuable. Uh, so Ligonier, it's L-I-G-O-N-I-E-R. So search for Ligonier on YouTube or go to Ligonier.com or org, whatever it is. And uh, I think it's a little green leaf or something like that you'll see. And you'll know you're in the right spot when you hear R.C. Sproul yelling, What's wrong with you people? That's how you know you're in the right place. R.C. Sproul Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So what's RC saying? You know, he's saying we have forgotten the holiness of God that he is. We, we say God is love, love, love. And because God is love, love, love. Yeah. His love is overarching and um, overlooking is maybe a better word, right? The overarching love of God is overlooking. It overlooks our sin. So when you have that as your framework, that's the grid that you filter everything through. You think, okay, if God is love and God overlooks our sin, then why is it that God is so harsh? And that's why we are in this, uh, you know, same uh, place where we keep thinking, okay, if I'm sincere, right, God will overlook my sin. And we think because I try, I think overall, generally, I'm a good person and God will honor that. And, you know, we, we really just have to start with the holiness the holiness of God. So, you know, people have this disconnect between the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament, he's hard and he's angry and he's mean and he's punishing and he's wrathful. One little slip up and he would just instantly take your life. He will lick people off the face of the earth with fire, just like that. What a mean, wrathful God. But the God of the New Testament, oh, he's so kind and loving. He is our buddy, right? And he loves us and he's for us and he's our, our buddy. And he is very patient and tolerant and uh, really kind of overlooks our sins and loves us anyway. And so people see this great disconnect between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, as if they are two completely different gods. Well, the reality is there is one God and he does not change. And he is holy, holy, holy above all else. There's no other attribute of God that is repeated three times like that. He's not holy. It's like holy, holy, or holiest, like that is his supreme attribute is that he is holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's pure. And if there is 
any impurity in us at all, in any way, we are unrighteous. We are unholy. And that's what R.C. saying there in the beginning in that clip. He's saying, look, God is perfectly holy. And if there is any unholiness in us at all, God is completely just and right to punish us. After all, we act like we have rights. We are his creation. He created us out of dust. And we act like we have some kind of rights, some kind of sovereignty of our own. Yeah. And it's insanity to think that. He's the same God. And so the holy God of the Old Testament is the same holy God of the New Testament, the same holy God that we will stand before at the judgment. And here's the here's the key issue, okay? Because we make little of his holiness, we make little of our sin because we don't understand how holy he is, we don't understand the depth of our sin. And because we don't understand how holy he is and we don't understand the depth of our sin, we don't understand his mercy and his grace and what a huge deal that is. That's why we make so little of Christ in the New Testament and we treat him like he's our buddy who is for us, who just overlooks our flaws and our imperfections, not realizing that every flaw and imperfection is actually a sin, an act of rebellion against the sovereign king of the universe. But because of the enormity of his mercy that doesn't take our life at the moment of our first sin, like he could have and should have, Adam, and because of the enormity of his grace that he pours out and, and he gives us the things that we don't deserve in his mercy. He doesn't give us the wrath that we deserve. And in his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve, which is his love, patience, long suffering. And he even made a way back. So kind of what we've been talking about is how the world views religions. Here's the way the world views God and how, you know, the world says it doesn't really matter who you follow, because as long as you are really acknowledging God or a God or whoever he is up there, big and almighty, and however you may call him or maybe know him, that is your path up the mountain. And you keep walking that path up the mountain until you get to the peak and meet him there. And all the world's religions are just many paths up the mountain that all eventually will reach the peak and we will all reach God. This is why uh, A.W. Tozer begins his book, Knowledge of the Holy, with that famous line that says, the most important thing about us as a people is what comes into our mind when we think of who God is. Because if you get God wrong, you are going to be off by a million miles. No one has ascended higher than their thoughts of God. You have a small God in your mind, so you will never rise above a small God. Plus, just besides being just flat wrong about him, 
and ending up in judgment in hell. You see, it's not many paths up a mountain that will all reach the same peak. You start walking that path and you will come to a cliff. The path to the true God, Yahweh, is a path that stops at a cliff. And that cliff is sin. Sin separates us from a holy God. And it's not uh, a small ravine. And it's not the Grand Canyon. I call it the Great Chasm. There is a gulf fixed between us and a holy God so great that no man can ever cross it. There's not only no way, no how, it is impossible. We've used the analogy in the past of two magnets trying to press two magnets together. And they don't, not only do they not press together, but two strong magnets not only press together, but they repel each other. And that's what we do. Our sinfulness repels a holy God. And the holiness of God repels sinful man. We don't want a holy God. And a holy God doesn't want the sin of man. And the sin of man can't come into the perfect presence of a holy God. So we are repelling each other. We are actually pushing each other further and further and further apart. So we stand on the edge of this great chasm, staring across, can't even see the other side. And you see this holy cloud on the other side. How can we ever get back to God. We can't, but he can come to us. And he did. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's second Corinthians five twenty one. God became man, lived the perfect life for us. See, we the moment you have even a speck of sin. In fact, we are even born in sin. So sin is in our DNA. You've heard of original sin. We are born with sin. So you're not born innocent. It's not that you're born innocent waiting to sin. We are born in sin. Our sin can be traced all the way back in our DNA to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We are born sinful, but one who came not from us, not from our sinful bloodline, but from God. He became human. That's why the virgin birth is important. He didn't come from man. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfectly sinful, lived a perfectly sinless life. That means he's qualified to bridge the gap from man back to God because he can come into the presence of a holy God because he is sinless. So that's so important. That's John chapter one, starting in verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he came to us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, verse 14, and we beheld his glory. Uh, Let me jump ahead here. I hope you're starting to see why this is important. The perfect sinless life of Christ. He was truly God. He was truly man. And you'll see as you read, you start filtering things through this lens. You'll start to see Christ in like the gospel of John, 
where we would have sinned and you start to see Christ fulfilling all righteousness as a human. He is living righteously and behaving righteously. And uh, it it's mind-blowing. This has just been an awesome week looking at this. So you go to the book of Romans. This is so great. I, I say it all the time. Please read the book of Romans. This is the gospel. In chapter 1, starts in verse 18, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, it's all been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse, without anything, just the creation of the world itself screams a holy creator. So verse 21, even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their thoughts. They became foolish in their hearts. Their foolish heart was darkened and professing to be wise, they became fools. That's the verse for the world today. We profess to be wise, but we're fools. We exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for the image in the likeness of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That's all the many paths people are claiming are going up the hill. We have so many different gods and things that we worship and claim that are God. All right. So chapter two, it jumps to God's righteous judgment. He says, okay, therefore you are without excuse. Oh man, everyone who passes judgment. So every time you, you know, you're judging another, you're condemning yourself because you know, you're hypocrites. We, we practice the same things that we uh, judge people for all the time. We act like, uh, you know, we, we know, and we judge rightly, right? Okay. But do you presume this, O man, who passes judgment on those who practice such things and do the same? Do you think that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? That's the world we think now, buddy Jesus, that overlooks our sin and we forget the holiness of God, so we think lightly of the riches of his kindness and his forbearance and his patience. And we forget it's this extreme mercy and this extreme grace, this extreme kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Verse 5 of chapter 2, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will repay to each according to his deeds. There will be affliction and turmoil for every soul of man who works out evil. That's who we are. That's our life. And God is completely just to pour out his wrath on us. We deserve it. We're the ones who rebel against him all the time, 
taking his kindness and his patience with us for granted, we forget the holiness of God. The the holy God of the Old Testament is the same God who is still holy in the New Testament. The difference is he is pouring out his mercy on us right now. He is pouring out grace on us right now. He is forbearing. He is being patient and long-suffering so that we would come and fall on our face and bow our knee. Nope. Bow our heart to the king of the universe in submission before the judgment. Because we will bow at the judgment. One way or another, we will be on our face. And we will be on our face either as we are declared guilty and sent to the left and cast out into the outer darkness where we will just have, the Bible says it's weeping, gnashing of teeth. We will go to a eternal lake of fire. We will have some kind of a body that is able to live and endure this lake of fire. God is the king of hell. Satan does not run the party in hell. Satan will be under God's judgment, just like everyone else. Or he will call you to the right and gather you to his people in his heavenly kingdom, not because you are good, not because you deserve it, because you are unholy and you cannot bridge the gap, but because you have rested in his provision. And what is his provision? He sent his son to live the perfect life that we can't live, that we don't live, that we won't live. He lived that perfect life for us. He is our righteousness. And he already died our death. He is our atonement. And he has made peace between man and God. Let me flip this. I already closed my Bible. Let me flip it open one more time so that you can hear this. And you need to go read it for yourself in the book of Romans. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this. How is a man justified before God? Okay, so that he can go to heaven. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not that I'm comfortable and my heart is at ease. No, you are the target of God's wrath and we can have peace with God through faith. What does faith mean? Faith doesn't mean I believe it. Faith says, no, I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to rest my full weight on it. And I'm going to stake my life and my eternity on it. That Christ is my only way back to God. He is my righteousness. He is my atonement. And apart from him, there is no other way. No other way across the great chasm. Christ alone has satisfied the wrath of God. It's nothing we do. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let me tell you what this podcast is. I'm not a pastor. 
I'm not a preacher. I'm not a theologian. I'm not smart. I don't know anything. I'm not good at this. The reason I do this is for one reason only. For some unknown reason, God has let me see the truth of the Bible when I opened it and I read it and he saved me. I have escaped a burning building. How can I not knock on your door, pound on your door, begging you to flee the destruction to come? That may sound a little overdramatic, but death is stalking you. And it is appointed to a man once to die and then the judgment. That's why I do this. And this is the only skill and ability I have. This is my background. My background is broadcasting. This is kind of what I do. This is my thing. That's why I use this vehicle to tell you. And if you want to meet in person and talk about it, I'll do that too. This is of supreme importance in your life. Pick up a Bible and read it. And it's all important. Read it all. In the Old Testament, get to see the holiness of God. You'll also see the patience and the long-suffering of God, but you will see his holiness. And then you get to the New Testament and you'll see his grace, his mercy. You'll see him pour out just unending mercy and grace in the New Testament and how we live this out in our day-to-day lives. And you'll see how Christ fulfilled all righteousness in his life. Oh, it's all just so good. It will change your life for the better right? I'm not saying that life will be easy. I'm not saying it'll make you rich, healthy, thin, and prosperous. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you will find true joy when you come to the creator of the universe and you live in the way that he created you to live because he is good and life in him is good. You will find peace and joy and happiness in him because he's the creator. God is love. There you go. You'll find your love when you find God. This has been Letters in Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense.